something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John Age Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the anomic age, and I'm that guy. I'm your host, John H. Thanks for being with us once again in the wee hours of the AM. We're looking at 151 here in NC. Happy to be with you in the darkness. Very happy to be with you. Let's see if we can handle this camera mess, because it's obviously a mess already. Yeah, there we go. Check out AnomicAge.com. If you have not already done so, I can't imagine why not. AnomicAge.com. Like all the likes, subscribe to all the subscriptions. PayPal.me forward slash AnomicAge. Patreon.com forward slash AnomicAge as well is how you can best support me, the show, and everything I do. You can get the free newsletter. You can get the iPhone app, the Android app. Oh, that's free, ladies and gentlemen. It's all free. Or at least those of you who still identify as human and as man and woman. So all that's free at anomicage.com. We got uh, Good Night Nurse. I can't even remember what the latest show is. Let me see. The latest show at anomicage.com. Let me pull it up for you because I don't recall. We're sitting at 144 as far as shows with guests. And these information breakdown segments, we are on, I swear I think we're on something bigger than this. Yeah, we are. I think we're on 175 right now because I didn't have one updated. So this should be 175 for heaven's sakes. I guessed it's show 175. I'll fix it in post. Fear not. So if you're listening to me or watching me right now on Facebook, Twitch, DLive, Telegram, or YouTube, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around and staying up late with me. Hope you got your pens, pencils, and notebooks ready because tonight's going to be a full-on lesson. Ah, si. Lección. Por todos estudiantes en todo el mundo. Vale. Vamos a empezar ahora. All right, let's do this. Tonight we're going to get, to get into eugenics. We're going to get into what the title says, food weapons. Ah, uh, yes, we're getting into food weapons this evening. And we're going to kick things off with a little light reading. See, I covered this when it first came out. I covered this the day it came out, actually. And this is from, and I'm going to mispronounce it because I've done it every time I've mentioned this. Walpaca County News. And this came out the day it happened, June 13th. And we're sitting at June 17th right about now. Fire at food plant. Yep. And this is from Wisconsin. Let me show you this image because you're not seeing it. And I'm I'm aghast and saddened that you don't see it. So fire food plant. This came out on the 13th. Wapaka 
County Post. Wapaka County Now.com is where you can find this one. This came out the day of. This came out only hours after this event happened. And it's yet another food processing plant fire. I'm going to give you this article because I'm not casting any aspersions at this first one, but thegatewaypundit.com gives you this one as well, where it gets into this. Looks like the same exact image. Wapaka County in Wisconsin. We're seeing another fire at another food processing plant. And this one really lays out for you how often we have seen this. Because this is not anything new. I'm going to scroll down. And I'm going to put it on me while I'm scrolling. So, if you've watched the news at all lately, you've seen a whole lot of coincidences. A whole lot of, to quote Arsenio Hall, things that make you go, hmm. What could this mean? And I was really downplaying this because I covered it the day it came out in the news when I had a guest on. I covered it then, but I did not realize that it was almost a hundred food processing plants, fires, animal deaths, and other attributed coincidences that have gone on here. In about uh, since 2021. So we've seen a whole lot of coincidences since then. And I was downplaying with the guest and saying that this was only something that was, uh, I think, maybe 50 is what I was saying. But alas, I was wrong. This is Gateway Pundit. And at the bottom of that article, it lists for you. All these different events. And I'm just going to scroll through. If you're viewing this, you can actually enjoy this. If you're not viewing this, then you can, of course, check out the video. So, yeah, this scroll. I'm going to scroll on down here because, I mean, this just hits home when you start looking at the numbers of this. In my humble opinion, not a coincidence at all. So this last one, I'm going to scroll right on down. And show you we're at number 97. Fire breaks out at food processing plant in West Wapaka County in Wisconsin. Yep. More of the same. So, if you're looking at the title of this and saying food as a weapon. We're going to get into a little bit of that this evening. And this might be a long episode, and I'm going to do my best to cover things quickly, because I know that's what you want, but also thoroughly, because that's what you need. It doesn't do me any good to run through these points without giving you the information, the data, and being as thorough as possible, while still being somewhat concise. So we're probably looking at an hour plus this evening, but we're going to give it a shot, all right? So, ironically enough, I was talking to my daughter as she was reading a book today. We were reading this outside together. And there was a lot of topical things going on in the book. It was a period piece set in World War II. But many of these same things were topical today. Because it was covering 
food shortages and rationing that was going on during World War II. And I was trying to explain to her what that is and why it was occurring and so forth and so on. So all this was going on during World War II. We had rationing of food here and uh, in Europe and England, yeah. We had blackouts where they would they would uh, improvise, I suppose, what it would be like if a bombing was going on and the lights went out and so forth. And there were these blackouts that uh, were put in place primarily as a drill in case a bombing was taking place. You cut off all the lights and make the targets harder to spot in the night sky and so forth. And uh, went into bomb shelters and all these sort of things. But I don't want to get too far afield here because the main crux of this point was Victory Gardens, was food rationing. And if you look at this image, I'm pretty sure we can all see it anyway, from this edition of the Anomic Age. It says, Food First. And it's indeed a propaganda poster from the 1940s during the World War II era. That's where this comes from. And if you look back on other events, like the stock market crash and all that stuff, you saw millions dead. And if you look back, we were a far more agrarian society then than we are today. And if you flash forward and go into World War II, well, people people were growing victory gardens to supplement their own food supply and to sort of go hand-in-hand hand with the rationing because most of the products were going towards the war effort whether that's scrap metal, whether that's food, and so forth and so on. And there's a lot of other propaganda posters similar to this one that really talk about not wasting food and don't feed the enemy by throwing away food and things like that. And all that is very important. But if you really look at what's up with food being used as a weapon, it's used as a weapon if people don't have control of their own food supply. So just as you can control a dog and get it to do tricks and things like that with treats because you control its food supply. The dog's not foraging out there in the wild and hunting in a pack. It's living domesticated in a house and you are the provider of that dog's food. So that's how it's able to be controlled. And in much that same way, you're able to control a population if that population is not self-sustaining, is not self-reliant doesn't know how to grow crops, doesn't know how to butcher animals, doesn't know how to fish, doesn't know how to forage. Whatever spin you want to put on it, people are easily controlled if they are not at the helm of their own ship. So if you look at the ways people can be controlled, one of the most obvious is food. And yeah, you can live for a while without food, not so much water, but food, yeah, you can live for a while without it. But the bottom line is, are you living or just subsisting? Because without food, you become hostile. You don't think well. Your brain is getting energy and getting nutrients from every source in the body it can. So it's depleting those essential fatty acids. It's depleting all these different nutrients that it requires to do higher mental function, to reason, to get through life as a fully actuated human. 
So yes, you can live for quite a while without food, but are you really living? Are you actually going to be able to to fight off any would-be marauders, if you will? And if you look at evidence of that, every single time food is used as a weapon or one country goes and takes over another, if you go back to the Boer Wars where they had some of the first concentration camps, if you look at the wars between the Native Americans where they had these sort of slave situations, if you look at, of course, uh, where do you want to go from here? The Nazis, Pol Pot, Stalin, Mao. Over and over again, when one group takes over another, there's almost always this sense of concentration camps of some sorts, even if they didn't call them that. And there's this eventual control over the people with some of these key elements that we all must have. Food, water, air, shelter. I mean, all these things are elements that we we really must have. And even if you look at things like solitary confinement, humans being pack animals, humans being very social creatures, we do go a little mad sometimes, to quote Norman Bates from Psycho. And we go mad sometimes if we're put in areas of solitary confinement, if we're not allowed to converse or interact with other humans. Coincidentally enough, in D.C. Guantanamo, we still got January 6th, Patriots, uh, or whatever title you want to put upon them, they're still in solitary confinement. They're still in deplorable conditions. And all this, as I've gone through in the past, is a mechanism of breaking an individual with the Bitterman coercion chart, just to name one. MK Ultra and so forth and so on. So this is not new ground. The things I'm covering are not new, but it is, in fact, a mechanism of controlling people. So if you look at how that's done here in the States now, food, water, shelter, some of these basic necessities. So thanks to Woodrow Wilson of the Federal Reserve and the income tax, we have inflation. We don't have control over our our own monetary system. Inflation meaning you can't buy as much with the dollar as you could six weeks ago, (laughs) let alone six years ago or 60 So what does that do to you? It decreases your purchasing power. It means you can't buy nutritious, good, wholesome, organic food. You can buy all the pre-processed GMO garbage that your government dole card will allow you to have. It also means that you're forced into renting, not buying situations. And of course, we all know that buying is a ruse anyway. Thanks to, of course, property taxes, which means you said it, you guessed it, you never actually own your own property. So it makes you an indentured servant. So, thus, your housing can be controlled, and your food can be controlled, and your water, of course, can be controlled as well, because they put lovely fluoride in the water, which calcifies the pineal gland And turns you into a gork, in other words. Uh, Yet another mechanism of control. But the, the main impetus of the hour is, of course, food being used as a weapon. Vegan Bear, my man. Hello again, sir. I'm happy that you are with me up here in the wee hours of the a.m. 
Thank you, sir. So back to this whole mechanisms of control and food being used as a weapon. Food is used as a weapon, and it's been noted so many different times that this is, in fact, how it can be used as a control mechanism. So I'll turn the clock back to at least as far back as I want to go in this episode because I'm going to try to keep things concise and we're already sitting at uh, 16 minutes and 48 seconds. So if you go back to everybody's favorite, Thomas Malthus, his book, An Essay on the Principles of Population in 1798. Yeah, I'm reading off the card on this one because I can't remember all that off the top of my head. But uh, what he came to notice here was what he referred to as the Malthusian principle, the Malthusian catastrophe, and the like. A few other little bits and bobs he threw out there. But nevertheless, why I mentioned him and why I don't really buy his mess, but other people seem to really enjoy it. But Malthus was basically saying that a population will increase exponentially at a greater rate than the food supply. And if that is allowed to continue unchecked, it will have dire consequences. Basically, you'll see an increase in famine. You'll see an increase in disease. You'll see an increase in death. And the population will indeed collapse and roll into extinction. So this little ditty by Malthus was used quite often throughout scientific lore to substantiate and legitimize all sorts of other lovelies. Like the old uh, 1859 on the origin of species for the favored races. You remember old CD affectionately? I call him that. The scientific community bows down and kisses his ring. That'd be old Charles Darwin. Charles heavily influenced by Thomas Malthus. And Darwin threw in that this would create competition over resources. This would create, as he referred to in his second book, which is something actually borrowed from someone else, but in The Descent of Man, he referred to this as uh, survival of the fittest. And that was coming from old Herbert Spencer. But nevertheless, all these folks heavily influenced by Malthus. And if we flash forward a little bit, We'll get into the 1968 book, The Population Bomb. I had this guy's name and everything up here. Paul Ehrlich wrote Population Bomb, 1968. And that was heavily borrowing from Malthus and Darwin and all these other lovely individuals. Population Bomb, 1968. And this other guy, which you of course will know and love... None other than John P. Holdren in 1977 and bringing us into with eco-science. And he wrote this with lovely Paul Ehrlich and Paul Ehrlich's wife, Anna Ehrlich. Two lovely folks in the Stanford Biology Department. Paul Ehrlich and Anna Ehrlich. And of course, White House science czar John P. Holdren. That'd be under... None other than Barry Sitaro. Nevertheless, these three individuals wrote this in 1977, which, of course, 
I pulled these quotes up and I've done a whole series on this about two years ago. Where I went through and I pulled up the quotes and I read the quotes for you in the whole nine yards. And in eco-science, he is suggesting that we put sterilants in the water and the food and we just take all the drastic measures that we can to curb the population growth. we got to put sterilants in the water and in the food and, and uh, really go for abortion and all sorts of measures to stave off the Malthusian catastrophe. So we got that too. But there's another guy we got to bring into the mix. We got to bring old Henry Kissinger into the mix. I guess we could go backwards a little bit because we could go backwards to the, and I'm always going to mess this up, the Royal, where is this? I had this all written down. The Royal Commission on Population, King George Ah, King George VI, 1944, Royal Commission on Population. In the Royal Commission on Population, let me put it on the screen for you, because I know somebody's dying to read it. I know I want to. Royal Commission on Population. You need to zoom in on this one. 1944. And in the Royal Commission on Population, that's when jolly old England was saying, we got to do something about this. You know, we're almost at the end of World War II here. We got to do something about these other nations rising up and having these population explosions that could contribute to the downfall of England. The Brits. The sun never sets on the British Empire and it's allowed to never set on the British Empire because we got to curb the reproductive enthusiasm of those folks in the third world and developing second world nations. So this was in 44. And this was actually predating old Henry, Henry Kissinger. But we're going to go through with the Henry Kissinger a little bit too. And this is all stuff you can get from a variety of sources. I've gotten it from other sources, most notably the direct primary source But I'm bringing you this material from this source. And this is coming from Executive Intelligence Review. This one is from 1995, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Volume 22, number 49, December 8th, 1995. And this is written by Joseph Bruda. B-R-E-W-D-A, entitled, let me pull it up for you, Kissinger's 1974 Plan for Food Control Genocide. That's what's going on here, folks. And it goes up into talking about the National Security Study Memorandum 200. I'll pull it back up for you. National Security Study Memorandum 200 from 1974. Under Henry Kissinger, completed a classified 200-page study. Implications 
of worldwide population growth for United States security and overseas interests. And this is basically saying that these lesser developed nations are going to rise up if we don't keep them in check. And they could threaten the national security of the good old uh, U.S. of A. So this was applied, or excuse me, adapted as an official policy in November 1975 by Gerald Ford. NSSM-200 outlined a covert plan to reduce population growth in countries through high birth control and also implicitly war and famine. Oh, yeah. So that's what we got going on with this little goodie. And I'm going to sort of flip back to these two here. But I'm going to bring forth this before I do. Uh, Brent. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble reading this without my contacts in. Brent Scowcroft, who had then replaced Kissinger as the National Security Advisor. The same post Scowcroft. Scowcroft was to hold in the Bush administration. That'd be old man Bush, by the way. Was put in charge of implementing the plan. CIA director George Bush, ringing bells, the old man, was ordered to assist Scowcroft as the secretaries of state, defense, and agriculture. And it goes on a little bit because it outlines what he's talking about here. The combined effects of increasing population and industrialization in the colonies. This is coming from uh, the Royal Commission here. Warned might be decisive in the effects on the prestige and influence of the West. This is the 1944 which influenced Kissinger heavenly, uh, heavily, excuse me, certainly not heavenly. And it goes forward here. Food as a weapon. There are several measures that Kissinger advocated to deal with this alleged threat, most prominently birth control and related population reduction programs. He also warned that the population growth rates are likely to increase appreciably before they begin to decline. A second measure would be curtailing food supplies to targeted states in part to force compliance with birth control policies. And he goes on to talk about public law 480 resources, which in this law, if you're reading along with me here or looking at this, because it doesn't outline this, but public law 480 basically outlines where aid resources are to go. So he's saying here is that what we can do is curtail what resources and aid we get to developing third world countries that are starving to death. And we can control them by doling out the aid predicated on the fact that they comply with our population reduction plan 
aka birth control and abortion resources that we put into into play here. Mandatory programs may be needed, and we should be considering these possibilities now. The document confirmed, or excuse me, continued adding, would food be considered an instrument of national power? Question mark in the U.S. Prepared to accept food rationing to help people who can't or won't control their population growth. Is the U.S. prepared to accept food rationing just because these other people won't control their population? He also predicted the return of famines that could make exclusive reliance. Let me roll over a little bit. On birth control programs, unnecessary. And he's basically going on here, and it's got quotes from Kissinger over and over again. It it is questionable, Kissinger gloated, whether aid donor countries will be prepared to provide the sort of massive food aid called for by the import projections on a long-term continuing basis. Consequently, large-scale famine of a kind not experienced for several decades, a kind that would thought have been permanently banished, was foreshadowable. Famine which has indeed come to pass. Well, it had not come to pass in 1995 or in 74 when this was put out there. But it uh, darn well might be coming to pass now, I would say. So that was the first one. But I really want to get into the second one because the second one is from 1974. And I think this one is a little bit more telling, to be honest with you. Let's get into this one a little bit and we'll get into more from old Henry Kissinger. Because the first one... I think really outlined Kissinger's plan, and this next article from 1974, I believe it's from 74, let me see. No, excuse me, 1979, I think really not only further outlines the plan of depopulation, but it also sort of goes into how this could be done. Let me pull this up for you on the screen. And again, we're seeing this from the Executive Intelligence Review, um, number six, November twenty-seven. Excuse me, number twenty-seven, volume six, July ten, nineteen seventy-nine. This is entitled "White House GAO Revive Kissinger's Food Weapon." And if you're looking at this one, I've really gone through and outlined quite a bit of this. Because I think it is worth noting. And the language here in and of itself is uh, is something. <laughs> here we go. And this article is really this article is really talking about the OPEC embargo. So if you are not familiar with that, we got OPEC folks. The Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, known as OPEC. And in the mid to late 1970s, OPEC put in what was called the Trade Embargo, where they really wanted to nationalize their own fuel 
reserves and their own fuel interests. And they wanted to control the output of those and the price of those also. So OPEC put in trade embargoes specifically on the U.S. And they basically said, yeah, we're not going to produce as much oil and we're not going to sell you as much oil. And we're going to raise the price of all this oil that you seem to really like so much. And so this article in 79 here goes through how one might use food as a weapon that Kissinger wrote about in that old lovely Memorandum 200. And in this, it's talking about how we could use food as a weapon against OPEC to get them to stop this trade embargo. And it's going to be full of some names you might not recognize, so I'm going to get into them and sort of go through them one at a time. If you're reading along with me, this is from the aforementioned article. One of the first items taken up will be taken up will reportedly be Zionist lobby senator Daniel Moynihan. Daniel Moynihan. Recent demand that the administration make a sustained effort to break the OPEC cartel. This is in quotes now. By creating a wheat export authority including the United States, Canada, and Australia to blackmail the oil-producing nations. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So if you're not familiar with this gentleman, and I I, I use that term really loosely, Moynihan, what could old Moynihan be doing for you? So Moynihan was a Democratic senator from New York, and he was first put in under JFK. And then we all know what happened there. And then he was involved in the LBJ administration. And the LBJ administration and their big claim to fame, the War on Poverty. And he brought us the Moynihan Report. The official title was The Negro Family Colon, the case for national action. So the war on poverty and the Moynihan reports really bolstered support for increased funding welfare in the minority communities that were suffering from less fathers in the home, lower income, living in poverty, and living in the ghetto. So we saw all that put forth in the Moynihan Report and then put into action by LBJ, giving us all sorts of lovely welfare programs because we all know how it's so much better to just give a person a fish rather than to teach them how to fish. So that was Moynihan early on. So we're going to give you a little Moynihan in 79. And this is all coming from that article aforementioned. In fact, the oil hoax is a pretext for sharpening up the food weapon 
for use not so much against OPEC as even proponents admit, but against the Eastern Bloc, Japan, among other targets earlier identified by the scheme's original official sponsor, Henry Kissinger. The other target is the American population who are being conditioned for war mobilization by the get-tough propaganda advocating an exercise of food weapon. And it goes on to talk about a mass organization drive has been launched by the American Agricultural Movement, a.k.a. the AAM, <laughs> the farm gang nurtured by East Coast environmental terrorist supporters to set up a national barrel for a bushel committee to rally support for Moynihan's quote-unquote expert authority through offices to set up in every major grain-producing state in the country. So they're basically trying to drum up supports. They're trying to drum up support for using food as a weapon. And it's already fairly clear and outlined that this isn't going to really affect OPEC nations quite so much. That this is really just a pretext to get everybody conditioned that food should be used as a weapon and can be used as a weapon. Let's go on a little bit further in this article. Actually, the bushel for a barrel isn't aimed directly at OPEC, one spokesperson said. They consume so little grain, it wouldn't work. What we really want is to rise the prices for Japan and Eastern Europe. They can afford it. Testimony of Democrat Representative Jim Weaver's National Grain Board Bill for Government Control of All U.S. Grain Exports ran overwhelmingly negative last month. Has not discouraged the press and organized proponents of the food weapon from continuing to barrage the population. Food weaponeers hope to parlay the vast, vastly exaggerated news of Soviet crop shortfalls to their advantage. And it really goes on. Well, i got to read you this last one here. In the Journal of Commerce, June 26th edition, food scarcity again, question mark. The Ford Foundations. Are you connecting the dots yet? The Ford Foundations. Lowell Harden and Lester Brown of the World Watch Institute are quoted as (laughs) respectively railing against Soviet emphasis on livestock development and animal protein consumption and proposing that there is now a trade-off between food and energy. So what they're saying here, folks, is they were trying to gain public support through the usual propaganda arms and gain all that legislative support, congressional support, 
through propagandizing them as well, and of course, through, as it was saying, the AAM, American Agricultural Movement, and their East Coast environmentalist terrorist supporters. So once again, they're using these different proxy arms to gain support and to convince the public that this is a necessary thing. We should just be using food as a weapon. Makes perfect sense, right? Food as a weapon. And that's exactly what we're seeing. I know this episode got a little bit uh, a little bit heavy in the reading, but I felt like we had to do that. Let me pull up the most recent one here because this is important too. This is from PBS. Heat stress. Blamed for thousands of cattle deaths in Kansas. Oh, yeah. Nothing to see here, is there? Not at all. So these other mysterious deaths in Kansas, that would be, I believe, the number 100 if you were following along because the aforementioned article didn't even have that as their most recent. The Gateway Pundit, yeah, that was at 97, so I guess these cattle deaths would be 98. I am... I stand corrected. So yeah, folks, they're using food as a weapon. They've been using this as a weapon for a long time. Henry Kissinger was one of those prominent people in the 1970s to say we need to use food as a weapon. We got Paul Ehrlich and Anna Ehrlich with the population bomb in 68 saying we got to just curtail this population thing. We got to have all sorts of birth control. We got to curtail it quick or it's going to be a population bomb. Then we got 77. We got Paul Ehrlich, Anna Ehrlich, and of course the John P. Holdren, also known as Obama's White House science czar. Touting the same nonsense, except he's going one step beyond saying we got to put stuff in the food and the water. We just got to drill it into their heads and they can't be having more children because we all worship and kiss the ring of Thomas Malthus. So, what are we seeing? We're seeing food used as a weapon again. Again and again and again and again and again and again and again. So in the 70s, at least they were a little bit covert about it. And at least they were trying to give lip service to this uh, as being not so bad, uh, a necessary evil. We just got to abort everybody and get everybody on birth control and kill everybody through starvation if we must, saith Henry Kissinger, because we got to figure a way to blackmail these different third world nations and to get behind the program, that Royal Commission on Population from 44 program, yeah, that one. Kissinger is just rebranding it in 74, pushing it into Ford, down the road with Carter, and a long way down to 2022. Here we are again with food still being used as a weapon. And we got hints of this with the PSYOP of COVID. Because here we saw the beginnings of this where we were seeing people being forced to get a vaccine, forced to get this, forced to wear that in order to go into hospital, forced to get this, forced to wear that in order to go into a grocery store. Oh, but it was okay because you could still get curbside, you could still get all these things and so forth and so on. Well, that was just in the initial rollout of the PSYOP, don't you see? 
because they will further use food as a control mechanism in the second, third, and fourth stages of the PSYOP. When we roll out a more virulent strain, then, you see, it won't be an option anymore. You see, you'll have to take the vaccine or we won't sell you food. Sound a little like Henry Kissinger? You see, you have to get on board with forms of sterilization, birth control, and abortion, or we won't send you aid. We'll let you starve to death. Yes, we will bring about all that aforementioned Malthusian stuff with the advent of horrible diseases and horrible famines. Yeah, that's what Kissinger said, wasn't it? He said, we're, we're going to see horrible famines like we haven't seen in decades. All as a mechanism of control. Because if you're not going to voluntarily get behind our one-child policies of China, yeah, you know where that came from too, don't you? Yeah, 70s and Bush again. So if you don't get behind those one-child policies or if you flash forward to 2022 or even in the 70s with Kissinger, if you don't get behind these one-child policies, we're not going to send you aid anymore. If you don't take your vaccine, you can't shop here anymore. You can't go to hospital and get medical care anymore. If you don't wear your slave shackle, you can't come in here and shop anymore. You can't go into hospital anymore. You see how that works, folks? The use of food as a weapon is plain to see to those of us with eyes to see and ears to hear because it's the same old game all around the world. It's the same song. It's that digital underground. That's just a fanciful way of saying there's nothing new under the sun, saith Solomon and saith John B. Age as, uh, as well. <laughs> oh, folks, it is indeed the same game, isn't it? There's another guy I didn't get into, did I? Uh, what's his name? Eric Pianca from UT. You want to see a little Eric Pianca from UT? This is the same guy espousing the same nonsense. Here we go. I'll pull this one up for you. It's been a while since we heard a little Eric Pianca. Eric Pianca from UT. This is from Fox News. I think this is 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Professor, many humans have to die for Earth to live. Yeah, so yeah, you got to take this vaccine with sterilants in it. It'll be great. Yeah, so yeah, you got to wear this slave shackle. You've got to go through this gene therapy. HIV is too slow. It's no good, he said. He went on to discuss how an Ebola pandemic could wipe out a significant chunk of the human population. Ooh. Uh, the pre- previous to that, the professor weighed the killing power of various diseases such as bird flu and HIV, insisting neither could yield the needed results. Oh, yes. Again, though, food can be used as a weapon. <laughs> and withholding medical care can be used as a weapon. You see, people, I hate to keep saying the same thing and ringing the same bell, but they want you dead. They want you dead by any means necessary. And the old school way was more that 1984 boots uh, stepping on a face, uh, stomping on a face forever, that sort of thing. 
that would be the the old school eugenics. I would say that would be the the Hitlerian, Maoist, Stalin, Leninist, and of course the American Birth Control League and all that good stuff. All those eugenic principles would be far more uh, hidden, I suppose. Well, not so much hidden, but far more uh, just direct. But what we got going on now is the indirect, the indirect culling of the population. The indirect in that they can convince you to inject yourself with whatever. They can convince you to put on the slave shackle. They can convince you to take your kids to drag queen story hour. They can convince you that you got to eat bugs for the environment. They can convince you. Bill Gates, that you need to drink toilet water. Or Klaus. Remember Klaus? I'm leaving him out too. I'm sorry, Klaus. You got to eat bugs. You got to drink toilet water. And how are we going to control that? Well, you see, Bill Gates is going to buy most of the farmland throughout the country. The only food you'll be able to afford is the GMO death food. The only water you'll be drinking is the fluoride-filled carcinogenic cancer water that comes out of the tap. See, they got you covered on all bases. And if that's not enough, they're turning up the heat by the solitary confinement. Great song by a band called 108. 108, bringing a solitary confinement. And that solitary confinement, thanks to the PSYOP, Brought us off the charts. Drug use, alcohol use, self-harm, self-abuse, spousal abuse, people abuse, suicide. All the above on every age demographic imaginable. So when I say all that, you're thinking, oh, this is people in their 20s and 30s. No. This is people all the way down to middle school and elementary school and up. They want you dead. And all this ingrained indoctrination, K-12 through indoctrination, college university weaponization, all this planeteers, the world's going to die if we don't change something. Stop using spray-on deodorant and paint and everything else. It's just boring a hole in the ozone. Remember all that mess? That's all I heard in the 80s and early 90s and beyond. Remember hearing this stuff freaked me out. A magazine called 321 Contact. I wish I still had it. I'd show it to you. Basically said all that. All that indoctrination, generation after generation, is convincing people that they don't have to be forced to do it. You see, it's much more fun. And they get off on it in the occult ritual of you doing it to yourself. Yeah, you're voluntarily going into the gas chamber. You are voluntarily digging your own grave, standing there hat in hand at the edge of the pit and waiting for the P-38 to blast you into Neverland. It's the same old game, folks. It is food as a weapon. It is they want you dead. I think that's about it for this evening. We've covered this six ways from Sunday. I think you get it now. And if you don't get it now, I'm not sure how much clearer I can make it. 
We've read uh, three articles this evening outlining everything I've said. We've gone over no less than four different theorists outlining the same nonsense. The world's going to die if we don't stop breathing. We just got to stop having babies. And you know who's got to stop having babies? Well, it ain't Bill Gates. It's not Klaus. It's not Ted Turner. It's not the Bush crime family. It's not the Obama crime family. It's not the British royals. It's you. It's me. It's the plebs. That's who's got to stop breeding. Because what it boils down to, they want you dead. What it boils down to is eugenics. It's us versus them. It's a big club, and we ain't in the club, folks. They don't even see us as human people. To them, we're no different than a bug or an ant you might step on on the way outside. They want you dead. They want you dead. They want you dead. They want you awake and intelligent and cognizant enough just to keep the machines rolling and to make the proverbial donuts, folks. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. You can't do everything, but you can do something. Be safe out there. I'll be seeing you sooner than later. In the Anomic Age. Thank you for listening to The Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A-N-O-M-I-C-A-G-E.com. Till next time, thank you for listening to The Anomic Age.